With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. Hello everybody, welcome along. It's another edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast, County Cricket Weekly. And a pleasure to say, on today's podcast, we're joined by the Durham record wicket-taker, Chris Rushworth. Chris, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having us. And uh, welcome back to the podcast. I'm going to start with one question here before I bring the other guys in. And we'll get this out of the way very early, because we spoke about this when you were on the podcast last time. We, we spoke a lot about Sunderland. And are you going to be still playing cricket when Sunderland are still in League One? Because they just keep missing out, don't they? nice straight in the back there um, <laughs> who knows quite possibly the way it's going could be a long time um, new ownership hopefully things are on the up of the club what, we're, still, we're in League One for the third year now and I think we've just in the last few weeks we've uh, sold over 22,000 season tickets so um, the fans the fans are still on board which I think is a, you know, it's a good sign of things to come Yeah I was watching that uh, Sunderland Till I Die and that's one thing that always stays the same isn't it the fans support that club regardless Knuckle welcome back Evening James good to be back How are you? Yeah not too bad thanks uh, Yeah lot, lots and lots of sport to be uh, to be watching and talking and thinking about so uh, it, it's all good uh, plus I absolutely unlike a lot of people I absolutely love the, the sun and the hot weather so I'm uh, happy as Larry right now. Yeah, I uh, totally agree. Sun is out. Sport is all over the place. It cannot be bad. And finally, there's four of us on this podcast today, and we welcome for the first time to this county cricket podcast, Mark Hilton, Lancashire fan. How are you? I'm not bad, James. Not bad. I'm enjoying the sunshine as well. Summer's arrived. Lancs are doing well. So uh, all's good in the world. We beat you off a couple of weeks ago. Oh, you had to get you had to get that in, didn't you? You had to get that in. Me and you, um, we have our little barbs, don't we, on Twitter. I think we agree on about fifty percent of stuff, and then we we're at loggerheads on the other things. But so we'll we'll get into some of those as we go through today's podcast. But we're going to start off, Chris. We do a a feature on this podcast where um, we well, I've called it in the spotlight, but it's about your career. Basically, ten questions, and we'll see how many you get. Currently leading 
is uh, Ben Slater, who got nine out of 10. But I do have to say, I've written these questions and I actually think these are quite hard. I uh, will see how you get on. And the first question is one that you can't get wrong because this is just your opinion. But if you were to pick a team of the uh, an 11 of the uh, the best players that you've ever played with, who would be the first name on the team sheet? Oh, um, it's a tricky one, that. It is a tricky one. We've had, been very fortunate to have played with some absolute legends. Um, best name on the team sheet, first first name. You know what, I'm going to go in very traditional style. I'm going to, the first name on the team sheet would be the opening batsman. I'd go in batting order, so be Michael DiVenuto. That's not a bad shout. He was a good player. Very good player. Very good player. Number two, you have a cousin in the game, Phil Mustard, um, Durham, another Durham legend. How old at the moment is your cousin? Uh, he's one year older than me, one school year older than me, so I believe he will be 36. Well, I'll tell you what, he's been lying to you about his age. He's 38. Is he? Yeah. He was older than me then. I got that one wrong. <laughs> um, you debuted for Durham, question number three, in a List A game versus Sri Lanka in 2004. How long did it take you to get back into the side after that in years? Uh, six years in 2010 at Henley. Quite a long time between debut and next game, isn't it? I mean, you, you did a lot of jobs in the meantime as well, didn't you? You, yeah. you went, effectively went out the game for a bit, didn't you? Yeah, I had two years or two and a bit years away from uh, away from the club. So it was nice to get that that third nod again at Henley. Makes you feel at home a bit more once you you know you get back in the team. Nine for fifty-two, your career best figures in first class cricket. You took that in twenty fourteen against North Hans. Obviously taking nine. There was one batsman that was out that you didn't get. Who was that batsman and who got him? Two points for this one. Maurice Chambers and Ben Stokes. Good knowledge. That's good there. D- does that rankle that, he, that Stokes he got that one? Um, you know what? The ball before he actually got the wicket, there was a questionable caught at slip by Collingwood, but Collie claimed it bounced first. And then next ball, uh, he's nicked it again and Scott Borthwick just snapped all the t- um, and everyone's like, Scott, what are you doing? Drop it, drop it. But obviously, you can't do that, can you? I've been to some benefit games where that has happened, when the beneficiary has been dropped on purpose, yeah. but you can't do it in a proper game, can you? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You became Durham's leading ever wicket-taker this season. What was the magic number that you had to get to to achieve that? The, 528. 528. That was an emotional... I, I, I saw the, um, the sort of celebrations of that and you got a bit teary, didn't you? That meant a lot to you. It did. Um, I knew, I obviously knew I only needed one more and for the first, I think it was 12 over, something like that. I was trying so hard to get it. Um, didn't think it was going to come. For, for one wicket, it was just so bizarre. Um, but when it came, it was one of those feelings where ev- every emotion under the sun just kind of hit me at once. Uh, my dad was there in the corner, so my dad was watching. Joy pride, um, happiness, just just everything kind of was overwhelming. And I did, like I, I'll admit, on the field, I just lost it, um, burst into tears. And your dad's obviously, I mean, all cricketers get supported by their parents in their early days and stuff. Your dad will have done that with you. Um, to have him there, and I saw you give him a big hug as well, that, that would have meant quite a bit, wouldn't it, to have him there? Yeah, um, like you say, I think he's, he's been a massive influence uh, for me from being little. You know, he taxied me around the country as a kid. Um, he's been my biggest supporter throughout my professional career. You know, he, he went through two or three year period where he came to literally every home and away game. Would never, wouldn't miss a ball. So for him to be there was, you know, I think he was he was more proud than anyone. And for him to see it and you know witness it, I think couldn't have been prouder. They're the sort of memories that you'll think back on being the ones that were special, I guess, in terms of your career. And um, moving on, next question: five hundredth wicket came earlier on in this season. Who was your five hundredth victim? First class victim. 
Tom Cooler, Cadmore. When you clarified that, what was your other answer going to be? Um, I think I've got that one. 500th first class versus 500th county championship. Not the same wicket. Right. Uh, oh, God, I, I don't know that then. I, my answer I've got down here, which I took from a report earlier, was uh, Anima Vahari when you were playing against Warwickshire this season. Right. Uh, I don't know what that is. Was, is that a staff from Martin Emerson by any chance? <laughs> um, knuckle. What, what, what was your? Uh, have I got this wrong? Or is Chris so this wrong? the wicket of Honam Vihari this season. Oh, actually, no. What the what I've got is that the five hundredth first class wicket was last season. Tom Collick Admore in the Bitman the Bob Willis Trophy last year, yeah. and the five hundredth wicket in the County Championship was. And I am reading David Hopps's report from the game against Derbyshire this year. Matt Critchley. Regardless, I've got that wrong, and you take the point. Chris, I think, uh, I think it's, it's the Badger minus one, Chris plus one on that one. Number seven, what is your current total of wickets in first-class cricket? Oh. You see, all the, these special milestones, you know, the 528 and stuff, you remember that, uh, don't you? But what, what are you on now? Hang on, I could work it out. 17,543. I've got 550. Oh, well, there you go. What is your first-class bowling average? I'll give you give you with uh, within one run. Oh, 20, 22.3 or something like that. I'll tell you, what, I don't need to give it with even one. With 22.35, I think we'll give you that one. There and you finally, finally, if you get this right, you go to eight points. What is your highest first-class score with the bat? 57. Hey, <laughs> straight in with that one. That's your only first-class 50, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. So it's an easy one, easy one to remember. That was a special day, I guess, as well. Who knows wins? Put your money where your mates are. There's over 25,000 players and over £1 million already won. The biggest community pot was £31,000. And there's over 12,000 leagues created. Download our free app and play against your friends and family with bragging rights and real money on the line. Who knows wins in a different league. Um, Knuckle, let's bring you in. Have you got any questions for, for Mr. Rushworth today? One from one from me, and one um, one that was was passed on by a, by a very good friend of mine who's a who's a, a Durham fan and a Durham member. One of your best days, but it kind of got overshadowed. I was there that day at Lords in in 2015, where you bowled Middlesex out for 89. You bowled absolutely incredibly under. It was so grey. I'm actually surprised the batters could see the ball. Um, but it was. Um, but you you bowled incredibly along with you and the Duke John Hastings. Yeah. Uh, skittled through Middlesex. You must be feeling pretty good about yourselves. And then James Harris happens the next day. It just taught me through that that roller coaster of the of that that day against Middlesex at Lords or that those two days actually I had this conversation with some of our lads the other day obviously with the weather at the start of this year being so cold and windy and horrible I remember we turned up that last day and there was a howling gale from the pavilion and, and all the boys were like right lads we need to be on against Finning here Steve Finn he's going to bowl absolute rockets with this wind behind his back and then, like you say, Harry bowled into the wind and got nine for. And it's just one of those things. I don't know if lads kind of switched off from the other end or or, or whatnot. But um, you know, he, he bowled well. Like, well, fair play to him. He bowled really well. But it was just the the way that whole game went. I think they were kind of four hundred in the first innings. The momentum was with them, and then the second day we bowled them out quickly, and then we did okay our first innings and then we bowled them out so just the momentum kept changing throughout the game and then that last day Harry just came in and, and tore through us I think we were all worried about Finney bowling about 90 mile an hour plus and 
but with Finney just charged into the wind and, and did his job. Yeah, James Harris, nine for 34. Stephen Finn, one for 35. And the man he got out was the, was the number eight. It just goes like that sometimes. And the the, the other one from a friend of mine, Dr. Katie Scott, um, she'll be happy with the name check if she listens to this. It goes back to what James was saying about and what you were saying about your time out of the professional game. Was there ever a point where you thought that it might not happen, where you thought you might have to give up on playing cricket or just think of cricket as something you did recreationally? Um, the only time I really thought it wasn't for me or it might not have happened was when I when I was first released. Um, I guess as a, as a young lad, I was 19 at the time and got told I wasn't being offered a contract for the next year. And, you know, if, if I'd have been in love with cricket as much as I am now, then you would think I would have been disappointed and gutted. And don't get me wrong, it, was, it wasn't nice to hear that, but... You know, I, I didn't walk away from it heartbroken and distraught like I, I probably should have. Um, and I guess it was that sense of realisation after, you know, a year or so. But you know you know what? I, I do actually miss cricket. Um, and from there, you know, I had a, I had a few trials, um, played a little bit of league cricket with some friends. Um, and then the, the opportunity to, to net with the boys over a winter came two years later. And lucky enough, I, I did quite well in the nets and, you know, the trial games at the start of the year. But a bit, but a bit of minor counties in there as well. Or was that before you played, or was that kind of the first time round, as it were? No, that, that was so that I played minor counties while I was part of the academy as a youngster. Um, we struck up a deal with Northumberland, um, so I went and played a few games up there with them as, a, as an academy lad, really. Mark, over to you. Got any questions for Chris today? Yeah, we had the uh, Bunny Onions uh, bowling for us for the last couple of years of his career at Lancashire. And when I look at him and when I look at you, I know he's kind of dropped in pace a bit for when I was. He has a lot of similar skills to you or you had a lot of similar skills to him. Did you did you learn a lot from uh, Bunny when you were opening the bowling with him for, for Durham? And how important is it for young bowlers to learn from senior players around them? Yeah, I think you've got to. I mean, for probably five or six years we opened the bowling together and we had a you know we, we formed a, a really good partnership the one thing that I, I always took from Bunny is how professional he was he was very competitive you know he he, he was always he wanted to be in the game he, he wanted to win um, he hated losing from a bowling point of view just the week he attacked the stumps um, and I guess that's that's where I've sort of gone the last few years whereas I'd rather go for runs make sure I'm bowling out the stumps so I can get all three dismissals I think a lot of young guys now not get sucked in but enjoy bowling pretty balls where they They've got a little bit of swing, goes through to the keeper at a nice height. Um, but good good players will leave that all day long. Um, so for me, where Bunny was good, he got nice and tight to the stumps and he was always attacking your front pads and um, hitting the stumps. And again, just the, his work ethic off the field was um, was second to none, especially for a guy who's had some serious injuries. He wasn't afraid of putting the hard work in off the field, which for any young lad watching that, um, that's how he should go about your business. By pretty balls, you mean not quite full enough, not quite straight enough, looks great, yeah. whips past the outside edge. Yeah, it ju- just looks nice. You know what I mean? Like passes the bat at a nice height, um, keeper takes it up here, it's got good shape on it. Um, you know, you, you can bowl 10 overs for 10 runs, but I think as a bowler, you know, you, you get measured on your wickets at the end of the day. Chris, do you, I mean, you've taken a lot of wickets in your career. I mean, you know, you, start, you had a bit of a break and obviously came into the game slightly late in terms of when you matured as a cricketer. But do, do you ever get kind of concerned that you get, you've been pigeonholed as a, you know, a county pro, blah, blah, blah. You've not been talked about for England. Because when I've seen you bowl, you've got a lot of skills. And does it does it concern you that you've very rarely been kind of taught so as a kind of an England player? Nah, I, I guess it's one of those things you, you kind of take, like, I mean, I guess for me, my style of ball, and I'm never going to get in an England team ahead of someone like Anderson, who's probably a a similar kind of bowler. Um, And the fact that he stayed fit and being as good as he is for 
what, 12, 13, 14, 15 years, you know, I guess it's just I've, I've been unlucky as such that England have had such a strong bowling lineup um, for quite a number of years. Um, don't get me wrong, I'd, I'd bloody love to play for England or, or at least have a chance um, just to see if I'm good enough, you know what I mean? Everyone keeps saying, oh, he might not be quick enough and things like that, but there's some bloody good, skillful international cricketers who have had good test careers. Vernon Philander, for example. Yeah, well, he's, he, he's, he'd be top of my list as well. Um, so, you know, I, I would love to have a chance to see if I was good enough. The, the one thing that I was pleased with... The, Two weeks ago was when Ollie Robinson got picked. Yeah. He's not the quickest bowler in the world, but he got a chance and he did really well. Um, so, you know, paces and everything in, in, in national cricket. Now, you've got to have the skills, and I was impressed with Robinson myself when I saw him the other week. I saw him for Lanks as well, who played against us earlier in the season and watched down the street. street. And yeah, he's a good bowler. Yeah, no, nah, he's. We had another um, similar kind of bowler on the podcast uh, last week in Ben Sanderson from uh, North Hanson. His job at the end of the podcast last week, and it's going to be your job as well to uh, leave some a question or two for Kevin Sharp, the uh, Worcestershire coach and former player. Um, but Sando left a couple of questions for you, Chris. The first one was he wants to meet you in a in a in a net somewhere and get him get you <laughs> to teach you all of his skills. When, when can that? When, when can we arrange that for? Oh, we know we've played against him the last few years. He's never mentioned any of this. Um, Sando's. So he's, he's another one who's you know does exceptionally well in county cricket, but probably will never get mentioned as, as much as he should because you know he, he isn't a high eighty plus bowler. But I, I don't think I'd like to face him too much myself, Sando. He nips him about a little bit too much for me. And the second question that he left you was, uh, will you sign for North Hants, please? He wants to <laughs> bowl, he wants to bowl with you. Oh, he, he preferred to bowl at the Riverside, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, so you want him at Durham instead? He could be much more of a, an effective duo if he's at the Riverside. I was, I was going to ask you, uh, Chris, about um, there was kind of a mass exodus period from Durham, wasn't there? A lot of players left. Um, you've stayed there. Uh, and I know a lot of Durham fans think the world of you because you you hung around when some others kind of jumped ship. Was there ever any temptation for you to go as well or was it always going to be Durham? Um, it's, it's a tricky one to answer because at the time when all the, all the crisis hit, there was a lot of uncertainty around where the club was going and finances and all that kind of stuff. Um, but once we kind of knew that contracts and things were safe and um, lads were, you know, effectively would still be getting paid and nothing like that was going to change, then, you know, I think it was, it was a bit of a no-brainer for me to, I was always going to stay. Badges are furry creatures. 85% of women badges think bad grooming is a major turn-off. 80% of women badges think men should trim below the belt. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Get on there, manscaped.com. Check out their great range of male grooming accessories. Hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com, quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com, together we save balls. Let's uh, move on then to, I mean, we're into T20 country now, aren't we? I've not actually watched any of the T20 yet because I've been all over the Euros. I've got quite a lot of work to do around the Euros. But, Knuckle, how, have you seen any? How have you found it so far? Has anybody impressed you? Uh, I've watched uh, I've watched some, yeah. Uh, I haven't been across it quite as much as I was across the, the county championship, but I'm certainly staying across the, across the schools. I mean, what is 
what what strikes me almost every time that the blast uh, kicks off is it's a really high quality competition. Um, there are some serious players and some serious batting lineups going around the blast this year. I mean, you look at I'll just take one uh, uh, Lancashire Finn Allen, an inc- a fantastically exciting player. Joss Butler, Liam Livingston. You've got this all star knots team. Um, Worcestershire continuing to uh, continuing to be to be brilliant. I think that I, I just. I, I wish that the you know obviously the streams are great the streams are massively important but I I, I wish that the the blast got a, a little bit more love frankly and a little bit more exposure and a little bit more a more of a push behind it because it is a fantastic competition uh, and and full of some very high quality cricketers and we'll see more of that when uh, you know some of these New Zealand players when they finish the World Test Championship final I think Daryl Mitchell is, will, will be playing in that Colin de Grandom will be playing in that in that uh, and and yeah I've been been thoroughly impressive but I mean obviously the the standouts have been really been obviously um, young Lenham at Sussex taking up his his first. Yeah. International uh, first uh, professional wicket at sixteen or whatever. Oh, do, you, do, you um, see, do you see his little leap knuckles? Oh, that's great! He was, he was beautiful. Uh, that's great. It? That's exactly how I would have uh, celebrated if I would, had ever been anywhere close to being good enough uh, to get uh, to get a, a professional gig at sixteen. And then um, and then Joe Clark, um, who um, is just a thoroughly thoroughly impressive cricketer. Obviously, not hasn't helped himself in his own personal life, but is a thoroughly impressive cricketer and one of those bowlers, who, one of those batters rather, who can make any bowling attack look silly. And it's always and it's always great to see mowing scoring runs he's mentioned everybody there Chris apart from Durham <laughs> hasn't he um, you've had a decent start up there the boys have started well you know it's a little bit of a different lineup to what we've had the last few years but it's full of youth energy and you know there's a hell of a lot of talent there and I think you know the, the games they've won the first two um, that victory over Leicestershire yesterday was you know it was, it was, we were dead and buried and we've managed to get over the line with an over to spare so it was that Durham have got something about them um, the young lads are hungry and, and want to do well but one one person that stands out for me so far young guy from Surrey Will Jacks I watched his innings at uh, at Lords the other night Is that the single best shot that's ever been played in the blast? Oh. Matt? My goodness, I was watching that. That was incredible. You know when you know it's a good shot? When the batsman himself, he was stood there and he was almost smiling, laughing, as if to say, has that really just happened? Because that went a hell of a long way over extra cover. Describe it, Chris, for people who haven't seen it. It was a, a fullish wide one. He's literally just, it wasn't a, wasn't a slow, it wasn't agricultural. He's just hit it over extra cover, timed it, but it, it's gone miles. It's hit the roof of the stand on the offside. It was, it was a phenomenal cricket shot. And in a diagonal line, straight up, it's still going up as it hits the top of the stand. Unbelievable shot! It's a, it's a bit of a thankless task being a bowler in T Twenty, isn't it? It's a batsman's game, isn't it? We're just there for the entertainment. <laughs> Mark Lancashire—they've always got a decent side, always do well in the in the T Twenty. How, how do you rate their chances this time? Yeah, I think at Old Trafford we're very strong. We lost at Worcester yesterday. I think you know we, the wickets at Old Trafford suit our slower bowlers, and then Parkinson. I love watching him bowl. He's a great bowler. Uh, Livingston's bowling is really improving. He can bowl all different types of deliveries, leg breaks, off breaks, but so many, so many variations. Young Tom Hartley coming through as a spin bowler. And obviously our batting, I mean, Finn Allen played a really good innings the other night on a, on a warm wicket. Uh, I think that was against Derbyshire. So we look at really strong outfit at home, but, you know, our first away game yesterday was Worcester and we just, the batting didn't fire and, you know, you get the feeling that, you know, sides might prepare pitches that aren't quite con- as conducive for our slower bowlers. So, we, you know, they may have tr- may have got on to us a little bit there. But, you know, overall as a package, we don't, you know, we don't, we're a strong outfit. But um, we might lack, lack a little bit around about seven and eight. We've got Wood coming in at seven and 
people like that. So we might look like, like the fireworks down the order. I mean, Durham yesterday, I can't remember who got the runs, but it was a number number nine, wasn't it, Chris? So you got 40 or 50 very quickly. Yeah, I think Eckersley went in at seven, got 50, and then uh, Travascus was at nine or 10, and he got 25, 30, not out as well at the end, which I think, like you say, makes makes a big difference. I mean, I Ned Eckersley's one of these guys. I mean, Ned Eckersley's a top order player in the in, in the four-day stuff. He's one of these players who gets, I feel a little bit like Stephen Mullaney for knots. So he kind of gets pushed down the order. It's nice. must be quite a nice position to have that kind of almost safety blanket in the in the lower middle order. Yeah, definitely. Even you, you look at the lineup yesterday, Scott Bothwick was down at 10. He didn't get a hit. One of the best county county players, you know, that's been around for six, seven years. Um, and even he, could, obviously, if needed, can can do a job there. So I think, like you say, having guys who can bat down the order, if you've got someone who's gone in at five or six, um, just to help them along, you know, 20, 30 runs from your, your tail enders makes a, a huge difference in white ball cricket. Who's going to win it this year, Knuckle? You know what, let's say Worcestershire. Okay, you're going to go with Worcestershire then. Chris, what about you? Let's let's take Durham out of your thought process here. Of the other 17, who's the biggest rival? I think Worcester have done well over the years, but I think just looking at the way they've started in their lineup, Surrey this year look like they've they've got everything covered. Same question to you, Mark. But we're going to take uh, Lancashire out of the equation for you. Yeah, I think Surrey. I mean, they haven't even got an overseas player, but you know, I think they look very, very strong this year. Surrey got good spinners, good pace, good good variety all down the order. I think they're going to take a lot of beating. Well, we'll come back to the T20s as we go through the next few weeks on this uh, County Cricket Podcast. Still, it's fairly early days at the moment, so we'll move on. and I sent the Badger a message and now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast then tweet at cricket underscore badger. And obviously after the test match England had a rather poor time of it. I was on commentary for the uh, day three of that and it started to get quite difficult to phrase disappointment in different ways because it was happening every five minutes and it wasn't the greatest of showings from England in that test at all, albeit against a very good New Zealand side. And what it always happens, Chris, when you kind of get a bad England performance, it starts to get people focusing the uh, crosshairs on the county game and the county championship. In terms of you, and I mean, obviously you've been playing for a while now, how strong do you think the county game is at the moment? You know, is it unfair to criticise the county championship and that, that that being the fault? No, I think I think the 40 games is pretty good. My only worry is with the 100 coming in now is, you know, is that going to start taking, you know, the excitement away of 40 cricket for the younger lads coming through? Um, I think where the county championship has been good over the last few years is it, it brings in young guys. I mean, you look at that test squad now, a lot of them are, are very young. Um, they haven't played a great deal of, of county cricket, but, you know, they, they're playing international cricket. Um, I also think because of all the streaming available um, with the IPL being cancelled, a lot of it was shown on Sky as well. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot more people being watching. Um, and, you know, when things are on TV, it, it seems like every every commentator has got an opinion. So I think things just get highlighted when everyone sees it a bit more. Have you noticed from playing yourself in the championship and the streaming that you, uh, you maybe a couple more of your mates or something have actually tuned in and watched it and, and know a bit more about what you've been doing? Oh, 100%. You know, a lot of my mates absolutely love cricket, but like most people, you know, they, they work full time. Um, so to be able to have the streams available where they can just tune in for an hour at lunch or, you know, bits and pieces while they're working and things, I think it's making a, a massive difference. You look at some of the figures around the country, the number of views is, you know, it's amazing. So it just goes to show that county cricket is not dead. You know, people want to watch it and people are watching it. Well, I mean, that's what they always say, isn't it? You know, the people that are against the championship or not against it, but uh, are critical of it say, well, it's one man in his dog. 
blog, but that kind of the figures that we see on the streamings belies that completely, doesn't yeah. it? Oh, one hundred percent. We've just come out of the lockdown and stuff, but uh, our first game with with a crowd back this year against Essex, I think we had something like two and a half, three thousand people in the ground for four day cricket. Yeah, uh, how, how was that to have the fans back in after after having empty seats for so long? Yeah, amazing. I, I think it's just you know it's it's nice for people to be there for them. You know, it's it's great for cricket. You know, you notice the atmosphere instantly. As soon as there's a boundary hit, you hear the applause or, you know, the, the sarcastic cheer from someone if there's a misfield. But for people just to get back to normality and, you know, enjoy the game, you could just see that the weather was nice. People were happy, smiling, regardless of the result. I think people just enjoyed watching cricket. Yeah, absolutely. Knuckle, where do you stand on this? Because, as I say, in the crosshairs, the county game after an England uh, defeat, you know, it's not strong enough. It's not producing the players we should do. All, all worries me with the, you know, it's all the fault of the 18 counties. Where do you stand on that? I mean, I know when we we discussed it on WhatsApp earlier, you said this is the kind of age-old kind of discussion, but it just continues though, doesn't it? Yeah, and I understand that to, to some extent. I think that England and its commentariat in it in that sense, the the, the commentators and the and the writers and, and, and all that are very sort of keen to go macro on it. You know, every every defeat is a symptom of a wider of a wider problem. And while while looking at that stuff is not is not in itself a bad thing, I think you can get you can start making very sweeping judgments based on not a great deal of information. The other danger of course is that something I we've talked about on this podcast a few times is that you can't keep changing the format of the of for whatever of the four day competition or of the one day cup or or the blast or whatever it might be. There there's a there's been a lot of root and branch review and preparing for the previous crisis, you know, flatter pitches to to a spinners or whatever it might be, or bringing bowlers into the game. We, I'm, I'm not talking specifics here, but these are the kind of things. There's been a lot of shifting and back and forth, and how much of any of that is is actually going to be helpful is remains to be seen but what we but what we what we see with systems and New Zealand and India are the two teams in the World Test Championship final are a great example of this is that if you make changes to the structure you've got to give it time to bed in you've got and I don't just mean one two seasons five seven ten years New Zealand changed their pitches to be less green seamer nibbly and making the bowlers work a bit harder and allowing the batters to build innings a bit more seven years ago yeah India have been building this pool of fast, of fast bowlers and the pathway through the National Cricket Academy and the Zonal Cricket Academies and the A teams and the under-19 teams in this structure for 10, 15 years now. And it's only in the last, last six years or so the, the real focus of that pathway between that to, of the under-19s and the A teams and all of those academy structures to, to make that jump between first-class cricket and international cricket smaller. But it's taken resources and it's taken time time i would be very wary about making any judgments based um, and any changes to the to the county structure based on uh, two series or whatever it's been this this year really with with india and then and then and then the new zealand series uh, there there are you know there are batters with technical deficiencies but there have always been batters with technical deficiencies who get shown up by good bowling that's how it works oh you see nasa's rant about um, techniques, just play straight, all that kind of stuff. I mean, because I think there was a little bit of kickback, wasn't there? From, was it Josh Butler and Ben Stokes? And um, Nasser was basically saying, well, this, this is just proof. If you actually play straight, you have more chance. Well, I mean, that's not exactly rocket science, is it? No, I, mean, no, um, I understand why, why Nasser was annoyed having having watched that. But uh, the Jeffrey Boycott as well. <laughs> Talking about techniques and, you know, Burns's little look to over to Midwicket and Sibley's sort of very close. That's not really a technique exactly, is it? You know, like, to bring it to bowlers, Chris... 
you know, James Anderson is a, you wouldn't say that his head is the the ideal copybook head position or that Just Breathe Boomerah has, you know, the smoothest run up in the world. But in terms of transferring their weight through the crease and getting the ball down the other end in a controlled manner, you can't really argue with it. Like the, there's a lot of, it's strike there's a lot of people confuse sort of the sort of the the physical almost visual quirks with technique i think a lot of the time uh, jeff i agree i think the only time technique ever gets questioned is it is if you're failing if you score and runs you know it's, it's not a problem it might have a different technique but it works for him he's scoring runs but as soon as you fail you get over analyzed massively and that's when they start talking about it it's, it's it's such a tough one because the guys that are playing they play county cricket and they score runs consistently um, but like you say, you know, New Zealand, the number one in the world for a reason. And, and they bowled, you know, they, they bowled well. One of those, like say, when you're not doing well and when you aren't scoring runs, every, every little fault or, or something that looks different um, gets picked up on straight away. I was, uh, I remember talking to Andrew Gale at Yorkshire Knuckle where um, he always used to kind of tuck his... Um, neck down before you know, facing a delivery and I asked him why do you, why do you kind of flex your neck before uh, the bowler comes in he basically said when I was a kid I had a helmet that was too big for me and I used to have to basically do that to kind of make sure the helmet was straight so I could see out of it um, and that kind of stays stays with you so some of these quirks as you call them quite rightly um, are, are just that aren't they They're well not I'll tell you to- that Mark Wood you know he used to before he lengthened his run up he used to have that run up where he looked like a Hot Wheels car where he'd just been shoved forward because he didn't have enough space to, to do a full run up when he started and I sent the Badger a message and now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast then tweet at cricket underscore badger. Mark, I know we've had our differences in, in over the last few days with this because I kind of recoil a little bit when people say this is the fault of the county game. I really like the current structure. I, I, I've got really into this conference thing. And as Knuckles says, I, I want to see this conference be given a number of years to see how it grows and see how it develops because A, everybody gets a chance to win it. B, somebody, I mean, we pick on Leicestershire because Leicestershire are the proverbial wooden spoonies, but they've now got the incentive to actually really take four-day cricket seriously because they can potentially win win it and they can they can grow that rather than just concentrate on trying to win the odd t20 blast along the way i know you've got slightly different views well uh, yeah i've got slightly different views i mean i've been watching county cricket for 40 years now which shows my age a little bit and every time england lose there's you know the county game comes up there's something wrong with it here there and everywhere and i think england's current problems aren't so much a problem of county cricket per se i think it's a problem of the marginalisation of county cricket over the last five or seven years. I mean, we talk about batsmen with poor techniques and England haven't really produced a lot of batsmen over the last few years. I think Joel Reed was the last one that really produced who was any good or consistently good. I mean, you've got batsmen who are playing in April, early April on seeming wickets, but only late September, they're not playing in midsummer. I think the four-day game has been marginalised to the, to the extreme. And, um, you know, I think the, the halcyon days of four-day cricket were from the late 90s till about 2014. You, you played on good pitches, good overseas players, top-class cricket, and the likes of Justin Langer really it was the best type of cricket he'd ever played in outside of a test match, much stronger than Australia's division, and you had the best playing the best. I think this conference system, it has its merits, I understand that, you can bring young players through this, that and the other, but actually there's no rele- no promotion and relegation, 
you kind of breed in a little bit of mediocrity in the sense that, you know, from the end of August, if you're not in the first division, you've really got much to, much to play for apart from seedings. You know, you need the best playing the best on good wickets. Good wickets like you get at Old Trafford, like you had in that Roses game that lasted for four days. In the heights of summer, you need the best playing the best on good wickets. The 100 haven't helped. You know, the 100 basically has taken away. I was looking at the stats when we won the championship in 2011. Between the 20th of June and the 22nd of August, I think we played six or seven first-class games, Lancashire. We will play two now. So you're playing, you're taking four to five games out out, out of high summer. You know, yeah. So where, where are batsmen going to learn their skills? Where are bowlers going to be able to bowl on good wickets and have to try really hard for it? the wickets and so forth i want the best playing the best and i think this new system creates a little bit of mediocrity sorry why, why does it create mediocrity? because i don't think there's an, i don't think the talent pool of i don't I, i'll be honest with you i don't think the talent pool in terms of english cricketers remember we had a lot of cold packs in the past overseas players i don't think the talent pool is there to sustain 18 counties playing red ball in this format long term I really don't. Wouldn't that be the case with any setup of 18 counties? And my, I guess the other question would be, I see that as a potential argument, but I, I don't know how we know that yet after half a season. Well, we possibly don't know that after half a season, but, um, and, you know, I just do not see... Well, you, you, well look, at, look at the amount of batsmen scored in a 1,000 runs. Look at how that's declined over the last 10, 15 years. Again, I was looking at that today. Sorry, Matt, they are playing less games, aren't they? That's, well, one, of, that's one of the less reasons. Games. They're playing two less games now than they played a few years ago. But even in the 2000s, you got players churning out a 1,000 run plus in every county, two or three players. How they ever happens now? Not even 800. They're getting 800 runs. They've had a great season. You know, we're just not producing the, 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 the level of the amount of players we have who I think are good enough to play red ball cricket consistently is not there for 18 counties. I understand blood and young players into sides and they need time to bed in and all the rest of it, but I just want to see the best playing the best more often, which is why I think two divisions is a better format for that. I mean, Lancashire spend a lot of time in Division 2, though, so you're not, you're not going to see the best of the best here. Well, well, for only if we're in Division 2, we're in Division 3, but we've, we've also, you know... I would. I could go on forever about Lancashire now. Probably. Yeah, well, I, that, that was a very cheeky question. I didn't really know. Good wickets. I mean, Chris, do you think, for example, that you're a bowler, do you feel it's... Do you think over your career it's become easier for you to bag wickets? I agree 100%. With uh, you know the, the way the uh, personally, I, I love the the conference system as a minute. But I agree with you. We don't play enough first class cricket in those three months. Two first class games in June, July, and August. It's, it's not good enough. I agree. And that's the summer, isn't it, Chris? That, that that's the actual summer bit of the of the calendar, isn't it? And and that's when the first class game isn't played. Definitely, when are most of your, your national tests played in the summer when the wickets are good. I mean, like Mark said, bowlers need to learn how to get good players out on good wickets over four days um, or five days in a test match. And a lot of county crickets, more so over the last few years, are not making four days. And I guess that is due to the time of year, you know, the the first class games are played. So I I agree we don't play enough in the summer. Just play one more thing. Just look at that game the other week, Lancashire versus Yorkshire. Good weather. Could have been midsummer. Went the whole four days. You had someone like Saqib Mahmood reversing the ball on day four, bowling fast on a flat pitch, yeah, 
Matt Parkinson bowling. Look at how young players would learn from playing on those types of wickets in those types of conditions. Yeah, yeah Again, you know, that, that's replicating I, Test match cricket more. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't think any of us. I don't think any of us would argue with the fact that we should have more first class cricket in the uh, in the middle in the actual summer months of the season. I, I think that's fine. Great, but going back to the conference, Chris, what is it? You, I mean, you, you mentioned you're you're a fan of that. What what is it you like about the conference system? Yeah. Um, so I, I wasn't. I wasn't sure if I would be a fan when it, you know, when it first came out and got announced and spoke about. But I, I do think the fact that everyone can win it keeps everyone interested. And I know Mark was saying, you know, people once you you don't reach that top division, there's nothing to play for. Um, that's that's not true. There is actually prize money for 14 teams this year, which has never been the case in the past. So even if you you don't make that top division, if you finish top of division two or whatever it's going to be, there's still decent prize money for those teams. So there is still a lot to play for for, for everyone, um, which I think you know it, it it should make every every club interested. And the division that Durham are in this season is just bonkers tight, isn't it? You're fourth, but there's nothing between any of the sort of top five teams in that division. Yeah, no, it is it is incredibly tight. Um, I think we, we've got a game in hand on a, on a few of the teams, um, but everyone just seems to be picking up wins here and there. You know, I think everyone's beat everyone. And um, it's like you say, I think that between first and fourth and fifth, there's something like 12 points difference or something like that. It's It's crazy. Exciting, but just nice to be in the hunt, I guess. As a Durham fan, we, we've had some bad times over the last few years and um, it's nice to have a chance. I mean, that, that's one of the things. I mean, you, you say it's exciting. I mean, I think all, all three of the conferences are nicely poised going into the final two games of the, this first kind of element of it. Um, and with the streaming on top, it can only be good for the county game, can't it? You know, the, the excitement of the matches plus the streaming, you would hope that people watching the streaming like your mates in the office might get to a few, couple more games in a season because they're excited by what they're seeing. Yeah, I think so. I think if, you know, if, if your team are doing well and you've, you've got a chance of winning, uh, I think the interest in county cricket is is what is definitely still there. Why not put a bit more money into that and, you know, have, have more games on Sky or, you know, just do something to give the 40 game a bit more um, publicity or make it more accessible for people to watch. You know, they've pumped a hell of a lot of money into the 100. You know, if, if they put as much money as that into the blast a few years ago could the blast be that that massive tournament that everyone's craving that was one of the points Chris wasn't it where a lot of us I mean I, I, I've i been very anti the, the 100 and I, I would suggest that making the blast a, a two divisional thing making the top division of Premier League on the TV having the second division promotion and relegation you can have playoffs like we do in the football um, to get the drama of those games as well throw a, a bit of that cash that they've spent and it only has to be a fraction of the cash they've spent on the 100 just to add a little bit of bells and whistles and some Rasmataz around the sides. Well, and also got a winning product there. Well, also the blast has something unique. Finals day is a unique product. It's a hell of a long day as a broadcaster, isn't it? And I can tell you that much. And I'm sure it is as a player as well. But it's a very, very exciting day. And you have this. You almost have the same thing of a day at a test match. The fact that that it builds over over this over this time period, and you get some incredible finishes in the uh, uh, at that final. I think because everyone's everyone's nerves are a little bit shredded by the end of that uh, that final, and that is something that other other countries don't have but as it is you know I, I follow a lot of people who are big into t20 cricket on on twitter and so forth you're having to i mean it's a bit different now but you you're really having to hunt around for footage of the blast like you can do whatever you you know i'm fairly agnostic about the 100 i don't really know what i think of it yet i would have liked it to be a t20 competition but whatever whatever competition you've got on you know make people make it easy for people to watch it yeah yeah uh, the, the one thing about this whole 
new format. They're trying to attract a, a new a new audience, a new crowd. It's it's cricket. Cricket fans will watch it. Like how how are you going to get? More cricket fans. You're not giving them something different, are you? It's just 20 no. balls less. Well, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, the the some of the a lot of the aims of it are, you know, making cricket more accessible and more friendly for women and families and people of colour is absolutely not just laudable but necessary. But I you, don't know how sh- I don't know how shaving off 20 balls helps that. Yeah, you could do that with the yeah. blast, couldn't you? If you did it right. Yeah. Almost certainly. Um, or even, you know, if you wanted a city-based, you know, if, you, if you, Mark, you're talking about the best of the best, um, you know, if you're talking about an eight-team city competition with, you know, eight really heavily stacked, of full of quality squads, as, you know, everywhere else in the world basically, basically has, T20 works. It's a great format. It's been proven to work everywhere it's been tried seriously. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the T20, I don't think. I think the 100 is an unnecessary... Um, gamble, in my opinion. I mean, the you know the ECB coppers coffers have been kind of raided for it. It's all been done on a kind of whim about attracting an audience, as Chris says. I mean, I work in education. I work with sixteen to eighteen year olds and so forth. I ask them what the hundred is. They haven't got, I haven't got a clue. I don't think they'll be going to in the summer. <laughs> you know, you know, it's not going. It's not. It's not. It's not getting into the kind of zeitgeist of uh, young people's mind. These people, you know, they they all live in. In the West Country, so if you're asking what the Welsh fire is, they're going to probably say, um, is it a rugby team? You know, so I just think it's a big gamble and there's a lot of money being pumped into it. And you're also, going back to the Red Ball scenario, you're going to have a lot of Red Ball cricketers who are going to get this two-tier system. You know, those Red Ball cricketers are going to get paid a lot less. You know, they're going to think about whether long-term cricket's a career for them. And that's what I say about, you know, the, the whole existential problem of Red Ball cricket going forward with this with this competition. Is that something that some players at Durham have spoken about, Chris? That maybe um, a couple of you might be playing in the uh, in the hundred and getting a bit more cash, where the rest of you are kind of not doing. No, nah, not at all. I mean, obviously the lads talk about it, and you know, we, every, I think everyone's just proud that we've got people less um, representing. Um, I don't think anyone, you know, begrudges it or, or anything like that. Uh, I think that's just the way sport goes. So, no, nah, I, I don't think that'll be the case. BlackRatCricket.co.uk You've probably spent lockdown dreaming about scoring runs and taking wickets. Well, let Black Rat Cricket kit you out and take you towards success. BlackRatCricket.co.uk They've got a swanky new website and if you quote Badger when you check out, you can get yourself 15% off. BlackRatCricket.co.uk Join the infestation. Right, I'm going to give Mark and uh, Knuckle a chance to ask you one more question apiece. If you have one up your sleeve, Knuckle. If it isn't going to be you, who do you want to see the win to win the championship? Oh, um, great question. Um, you know, I, you know what? I, I don't know why I got a bit of a soft spot for Worcester. Uh, I like the way they go about things. Um, they've got some nice young players. You know, they, they, they look after their young kids. Um, and they're starting to play some real good cricket. So Worcester, I think it would be nice for you know someone like a Worcester to win it. Worcester should championship blast double. You heard it here first. Yeah. Mark, <laughs> Mark, the final question from you for Chris today. Yeah, a bit of a cheeky one, Chris. Are you going to do bunny onions the last couple of years of your career and come down to Lancashire? Uh, probably not. I don't, I don't think so. Well, you never know. Um, you never know how things go, but I'd like to think I, I'll be staying here. But things change quickly in sport, so can't rule it out. But, you know, I, I'd like to be at Durham forever. 
I'll tell you what, Ben Sanderson's tried to poach you to North Town. You've got Mark now trying to get you to Lancashire. And I might as well ask you to come to Yorkshire. Um, let's let's uh, finish yeah. off then with uh, your final yeah. task of, uh, of this podcast, uh, Chris Rushworth. You've got to uh, so give me a question or two to ask Kevin Sharp. I mean, you just mentioned Worcestershire. He's down there at Worcestershire now. Um, Kevin Sharp, former left-handed batsman, Yorkshire, and now coach at uh, Worcestershire. Um, what question would you like us to ask him next week? See, I'm, I'm rubbish at doing stuff like this. Um, oh, um, probably a, a boring cricket question, really. Um, obviously, Worcester have got a, a lot of young talent. What would I don't know? What would what would his how do I how do I phrase this? What is his vision for the young guys coming through? So I know they've got a lot of young fast bowlers. Um, how does he see those getting into the first team? Where does he see that you know the, the bowling unit at Worcester going in the next few years? Something a bit serious. I, I actually think, on the basis that you were despairing a couple of uh, seconds ago, I think that's a very good question to uh, stick on the, uh, the sheet for Kevin Sharp next week. Chris Wishworth, it's a pleasure to have you back on the uh, Cricket Badger podcast for a second time. Wish you every success for the rest of your uh, summer up there in the northeast and extend that record, mate. Go and get some more. I'll certainly try, but uh, thanks for having us again. Thoroughly enjoyable. Wish you guys all the best. And uh, Knuckle and uh, Mark, thank you very much to you two as well for joining me on this week's edition of the uh, Cricket Badger podcast. As we said, Kevin Sharp is the uh, guest next week. The uh, Worcestershire coach will be looking forward to speaking to him next Monday. And hopefully you'll be listening and we'll see you then. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.